Yes, 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 it is the Chief Zone Podcast. Welcome everyone. My name is Farzeen Vesugian, the host of the Chief Zone Podcast. We've got a great episode for you, a lot to get into here on this episode. Little time to waste. Let's get right into it. Facebook.com slash Farzeen Vesugian. That is a Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. You can also uh, give me a follow on Twitter at Farzeen. 21. Uh, so interact with me on social media. You guys can also subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. And make sure you guys are hitting the share button as well, spreading the word about the podcast and sharing them with your friends on the docket for this episode. USA Today came out with a fairly one-sided story involving the Kansas City Chiefs and what they're calling domestic violence, but it does go a little bit... I mean, I, th- I think the word domestic violence is being used incorrectly, but violence in general, point taken. Uh, and they kind of make it sound like the Chiefs are the only team out there that deals with this kind of issue. And I think it's a very unfair article. They could have easily written a better article if they wanted to blame Kansas City for this, but they couldn't even go that route. And we're going to talk about that on this episode. A lot of Chiefs fans are discussing the possibility of Patrick Peterson, despite what his uh, recent suspension, he could still come to Kansas City. Maybe even a Le'Veon Bell, possibly to Kansas City. I'll explain why. And I'll also give you guys my 53-man roster prediction. I know I said I'd do this uh, a while ago. Never got to that, but we're going to do that on this episode. Plus, another article I want to discuss. The Kansas City Star has a very interesting article. Uh, more political than it is about sports, but it talks about how Kansans should help pay for maintenance, uh, stadium maintenance, over at the Truman Sports Complex. We'll talk about that later on as well. And also in the closing segments, a couple of reporters throwing some uh, some shade at a, at a coach, at a player. I mean, all kinds of crazy things. One of the funniest sideline reporter moments I've ever seen. And I'm going to play that audio clip for you later on and a lot more here on this episode. Hope you guys are having a great weekend. Obviously, this episode coming a little bit early this week. Uh, I've got my birthday this week, so uh, not not doing anything too special. Uh, but I just want to get that out of the way just so I can relax and enjoy the rest of the week without the without the podcast. So this is coming out a little bit early this week. Uh, so that so that's why this is coming out on a Monday rather than a Thursday or a Friday. Uh, I did mention last podcast, uh, there was an announcement that I was going to make, but I, now I actually have a couple of announcements. Uh, I'll get to uh, this one real quickly. This one uh, was not planned, uh, but uh, something came up, and uh, this is uh, now going to be a thing on the podcast. In fact, these the two things that I'm going to mention on this podcast, many of you guys have been asking for this for a long time. Uh, both of these, and they are going to happen now. Uh, first things first, on this podcast, not going to be happening on this episode, but uh, pretty soon, and my goal is before the end of the month, uh, we are now going to have a co-host here on this episode. And I've always wanted that for a long time. You guys have been saying for a long time a co-host is needed, and I do agree with that. Uh, there have been a couple of guys who I've tried to reach out to, uh, people who I know who I went to journalism school with, and they verbally agreed to it, but then they realized they may not have the time for it, but uh, the person who I'm going to be working with, uh, he's going to be co-hosting with me. Uh, He and I have co-hosted a radio show before, and uh, so we've got a little bit of a history. In fact, we won a a KAB award, a Kansas Association of Broadcaster Award uh, for our show before, so uh, you know, we've got 
radio, podcast, chemistry, whatever you want to call it. His name is Zach Stegenga. He's going to be joining us uh, next episode, uh, which again will be right before the end of the month. He will be co-hosting with us. And I will say in the beginning, it may be a little rough, you know, technology wise. So uh, we're, we're going to try to figure out things on my end, things on his end, how we're going to record everything. It may, may be a little rough in the beginning. So please give us time with that. Uh, but eventually, uh, Zach's going to be uh, part of the podcast. Uh, if you guys haven't already, please give him a follow. I mentioned this on social media. It's Z Stegenga, Stegenga spelled S-T-E-G-E-N-G-A, Z Stegenga on Twitter. So give him a follow and uh, give him a welcome to the podcast. Uh, so very excited for that. Like I said, I know many of you guys have been asking for that for a long time. So we will be doing that. The other uh, big news, this one was actually planned uh, and I mentioned this as well on social media, but uh, for those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while now, you may remember in the very beginning when we first had the podcast, uh, we did have a voicemail line. You could call into the show. Yes, we did have that on the podcast. For those of you who are more recent listeners, that is now coming back. So we've got that. Not only can you call uh, the podcast and leave a voicemail, which we will play on here. I will say this. If you do call in, and you're, if you're rambling, you're going too long, or if you're not getting your point across, we don't have to agree on certain topics, but as long as you can make a compelling point, I'll play your podcast, but if you're taking too long on your podcast, if it's dragging out too long, it just won't be played. So they've got to be good quality calls. Uh, you can either call in and leave a voicemail. If you dial the number, it'll go straight to the voicemail message, and you can leave a vo- voicemail, or you can text the show as well. This one I'm very excited for. I know 610 Sports Radio they do a great job with their interactivity because they don't take as many phone calls as other radio stations would, uh, sports talk radio stations. But the text line gives them more flexibility with interactivity with their listeners. And uh, that capability, we have it here on the podcast. The number to call for the podcast or text, again, same number, 913-808-2119. Again, 913-808-2119. 2119. Save it on your phone. Uh, if you memorize it, hey, that's great too. Uh, but save the number and feel free to call, text the show, whatever. And even if your call or text may be a little bit old, it's never too late to get a topic in as long as it's relevant. Uh, I, I would ask mostly Chiefs related, but I know sometimes we do we do our closing segments and we get a little off topic there, obviously. So uh, you guys are more than welcome to to use that for any of that. Uh, I'm not going to respond to texts, just just an FYI. I know 610 does that sometimes with some of their texters, uh, but I definitely won't be responding. I mean, if you ask me, hey, what, what were your thoughts on Avengers Endgame? I mean, I'm just not going to have that conversation, and I'm probably not going to go into detail with that on the podcast either, but uh, you guys can text in. I know a lot of times, having worked at 610 during Royals games and Chiefs games, people love to text the text line. I don't know why, but people love to give like their commentary as the game is hap- the games are happening. So uh, if you guys want to do that, that's fine as well. But again, we have a voicemail line and a text line. The two things you guys have asked for the most, the voicemail line to come back, which we have, and a co-host. And Zach Stegengal will be co-hosting with me. Again, the number for the uh, voicemail and text line, 913-808-2119. So I'm very excited for that, and I really hope you guys do take advantage of that. And uh, we can use that uh, to spread the interactivity on the podcast. So I'm very excited for that. And I really hope 
you guys take advantage of that as well. With that said, let's move on with the podcast. Like I said, a lot of topics to get into, so little time to waste. So late in the in the week, last week, there was an article that came out from USA Today. And it had Tyreek Hill on the cover of it, and it talked about domestic violence, although I think that term, not necessarily as accurate, because the incident that happened with Kareem Hunt was not domestic violence, but violence in general. Bad things are happening, and it's happening quite a lot with the Kansas City Chiefs recently. Everybody remembers the incident with Jovan Belcher and what he did, uh, where he had uh, reportedly uh, shot and killed his girlfriend and also shot and killed himself in the Chiefs' uh, parking lot in front of uh, head coach at the time, Romeo Cornell, general manager at the time, Scott Pioli, and I believe defensive coordinator, um, and his name uh, escapes the uh, escapes my mind right now. I want to say uh, I want to say it was Gary Gibbs. So everybody remembers that incident. The article did talk about that. Then it mentioned how the Chiefs drafted Tyreek Hill, uh, obviously someone who had admitted to choking at the time his pregnant girlfriend, now his fiance. Although there's talks about separation uh, occurring between the two, uh, that was brought up, and then they mentioned. Kareem Hunt and what happened there. The Chiefs training for Frank Clark, who has a past with domestic violence. And now they try to tie this in with the situation Tyree Kill is currently in right now. I don't want to say he did anything because I think a lot of us thought that and we jumped to conclusions because of the audio, which I still think is suspect the way that the attorney tried to defend some of those comments. Uh, but I think we just got to understand, hey, look, when we thought we knew everything, uh, there are certain things that really aren't cl- clear right now. Um, I still kind of question the whole getting physical with his son. His this definition of getting physical is very different than the average person's. Uh, I, I, I Look, I, I just can't really uh, believe the attorney's letter in that necessarily, but neither here nor there. The point is, this article really talks about that. Then they go into Larry Johnson and what trouble he got into. With violence in the past. As you guys remember, he was involved in multiple incidents, in fact, off the field. Then they go back and look at other moments in Chiefs history where domestic violence or arrests took place. And I remember USA Today, I can't remember if if this was Facebook or Twitter, I think it was Twitter. They said the Chiefs have had uh, more violent uh, players off the field or involved in violent incidents off the field than any team in NFL history, yet in the article... That's not what it said. Uh, so there's the clickbait, clickbait portion of this whole story from USA Today. And then there was also the, the notion that, look, yes, Kansas City has had a lot of recent uh, issues here. A lot of players that have been involved in violent issues. Again, Jovan Belcher, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, uh, Frank Clark, of course. So if the article wanted to focus on that, I think you've got a fantastic story right there that you could write about. But the, And I don't know who wrote this. I, I don't have that in front of me. But whoever wrote this for USA Today did not go that route. Instead, they just wanted to look at those four incidents, or those four players, I should say, and their incidents from the past, and then mention Larry Johnson, who hasn't played for the team in what? I want to say... Nine years, ten years. So 
you know, you're reaching there a little bit. And then it goes on and mentions some players from the past who I honestly could not recall uh, because I wasn't even watching Chiefs football back then. So they do single out the Chiefs in this. And I think that is unfair because there were two other teams on there that have had more incidents in the Chiefs, uh, according to the article, the Broncos and and the Dolphins. So to sit here and say that the Chiefs are the only ones where... That have had this kind of issue. That's kind of an unfair thing to say. To to just single out the Chiefs in this one. Because look. Every single team. In every single sport. They've had issues with their players. Whether it's a DUI arrest. Or sexual harassment. Assault. uh, Speeding. uh, Possession of something that they shouldn't have had. Now obviously some of those. Incidents are more extreme than others. I'm not going to hide from that. And look, there is a story out there to, to to say that the Chiefs have had players that have been involved in some very extreme situations. Uh, now, look, what Kareem Hunt did, there are other players who have been involved in similar situations. The difference is Kareem Hunt was found on film. Same thing with Ray Rice. Look at Ray Rice. That got him kicked out of Baltimore and essentially the entire NFL because... Uh, it got caught on tape and it was published by TMZ. Uh, the Kareem Hunt situation, same thing. Uh, except in his case, he got a second chance. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that the general manager who drafted him was also fired and went elsewhere, uh, beforehand. So I'm looking at the, the Chiefs from a whole. Again, you can write a story talking about how the Chiefs have been involved in a lot of extreme situations in, in recent memory. There's a story right there. And look, I know Chiefs fans might not like that, but listen, man, I've said many times on here that we've got to be honest with ourselves because it's healthy for the sake of discussion, and we would have to accept the fact that, look, unfortunately, there is uh, a lot of that going on with players on the team, and it's unfortunate, it's bad luck, and something should be done about that. Uh, But that's not what the article was about, it was just, hey... The Chiefs have had these players involved in incidents. They've had many others in the past. And let's just blame Clark Hunt and the family. Here's something that I think people are not really... I, I don't, I, people are also judging the Chiefs unfairly in all of this. I've talked about this a little bit. But to blame Clark Hunt for what Javon Belcher and Kareem Hunt did, it's, it's extremely unfair. Javon Belcher never had any issues as far as character goes, when he was in college. Kareem Hunt, he was suspended two games for violation of team rules. It's not specified what it was. Could have been that he was late, or maybe he... I mean, who knows what it was. If it was something really extreme, something really bad, I think it would have been out there. Because you can't hide that kind of stuff. It must have been something that happened behind closed doors, and he got suspended for it. He suffered the consequences. That's the worst thing Kareem Hunt dealt with. So to say that the Chiefs are at fault for bringing these guys into Kansas City and they committed their action, I mean, that's not the fault of Kansas City's. Now, if you want to be critical of the Chiefs for bringing in players like Tyreek Hill and Frank Clark, okay, look, I, I know Chiefs fans are not going to like this, but that's a, you, you can have a valid discussion there. You can. And I think as Chiefs fans, we need to be understanding and open-minded about all of this, and that there is a, a, a story right there, and that 
listen, what what Tyreek Hill is involved in right now, it just sparks up everything. I was talking to, in fact, it was Zach who I was talking to about this. I said, look, if the Tyreek Hill incident with his three-year-old son, if that was never a thing, the Frank Clark t- trade, when it happened, it would be brought up that he did have a pass with domestic violence, and people would say, hey, look, we gave Tyreek Hill a chance, why not this guy? But because the Tyreek Hill story it w- was a big deal at the time and kind of still is right now, uh, the Frank Clark situation is just a really bad look from a PR standpoint, uh, and the timing of it is obviously bad. But here's the other part of it that Chiefs fans are really upset about. Kareem Hunt is in Cleveland, obviously. He is going out in public and talking to kids and telling them, hey, look, don't make the mistakes I made. And we talked about this last episode as he spoke for the first time, breaking his silence since the release happened. Uh, The only interview he did was on uh, ESPN's pregame show that Sunday morning. So here's what what a lot of Chiefs fans are upset about the fact that the media is putting this positive spin about how Tyree kills or excuse me, a Kareem hunt is getting a second chance and that, uh, he, 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 he was baptized on Sunday, which look, doesn't mean anything to me personally, but if he feels great about it and if he thinks that'll help him in the, in the future, moving forward, even more great, all power to him and how John Dorsey and Freddie kitchens, they showed up and surprised him. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of positive stories involving Kareem Hunt, and because they acquired Odell Beckham Jr. and they pretty much have revamped their their franchise, a lot of people are talking about how now they're a contender in the NFL. So this Kareem Hunt narrative of going to Cleveland and now joining in with Odell Beckham Jr. in Cleveland, it's it's created more positive press than negative press. Whereas with Tyreek Hill, who we still don't know exactly what happened with, as far as child abuse goes with his three-year-old son, if he's at fault or if his fiance is at fault or both or neither, a lot of Chiefs fans are upset that people are willing to give a positive spin to Kareem Hunt, but they're giving a negative spin to Tyreek Hill when he hasn't been convicted of anything. Now, yes, the comment about what he said uh, to his fiance at the airport calling her uh saying that she should be terrified and then calling her a dumb expletive yeah sure i mean that that's for sure deserves a lot of criticism for sure but to say that tyreek hill should be banned and out of the league as of right now that's that's quite a stretch and again here's the other thing here here's another reason why i think kareem hunt is getting a positive spin i think because of what what happened with tyreek hill people are going to say well, pushing and kicking a, a a woman is bad, but she's an adult. Whereas in Tyree Kilt's case, which it's being speculated that he had abused his child, abusing a child and abusing a, a grown adult woman are two different situations. To me, look, let's just say Tyree Kill is guilty for two seconds. Bear with me on this. So even if Tyreek Hill is guilty, why are we using that as comparison to Kareem Hunt's incident and saying, well, what Kareem Hunt did wasn't as bad as what Tyreek Hill did? Because now that Tyreek Hill is involved in this situation that he's in right now, people are using that as a comparison to pretty much sugarcoat what Kareem Hunt did. And I don't get that. So to me, it's almost like if the Tyreek Hill situation ever happened, 
Kareem Hunt was still getting a little bit of positive press, but I think it's now even more because there is something to com- something worse to compare it to. And again, I, I'm not saying Tyreek Hill is guilty, but I'm saying, hypothetically speaking, if that was the case, which a lot of people are saying that is the case right now, I mean, you're pretty much saying that it's okay what Kareem Hunt did because there's someone out there in Tyreek Hill who maybe did something worse. And I don't, I don't agree with that. I, I, I don't think we should look. Uh, I mean, that's like saying, you know, Mahomes threw five interceptions in week four. Oh, that's okay. Brady threw seven interceptions in week four. Pfft, that's nothing. I'm. Why are we using that as a comparison at this point? Um, you know, just because one person did something that's even worse doesn't cover up for the horrendous actions from another individual. Uh, I, 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 again, that's just from my standpoint, I feel like because there is now something to compare Kareem Hunt's incident to, and again, I'm saying this because people are already accusing Tyreek Hill of being guilty in all this. They're saying he should be guilty at least. I think that's why Kareem Hunt's getting a more positive spin than Tyreek Hill. Chiefs fans are really upset right now because of the press that the team and Tyreek Hill are getting. Whereas the Kareem Hunt and the Browns, they're getting a positive spin out of this. And let me say this as well. Even at the time when I did jump to conclusions, I said, look, yes, we all want Tyreek Hill off the team right now, but... We've got to understand that the Chiefs still need to do their due diligence. They need to verify the audio with Tyreek Hill and his agent, his attorney, and the NFL as well. Uh, And they also need to, I guess, question some of the comments in the audio before they make their move. Whereas with Kareem Hunt, the footage was there. The actions were there. I know a lot of people are saying that she... Uh, the woman said something, she dropped a racial slur, which there is no proof of whatsoever. And in my opinion, if she did say that, don't you think other people in the room might have been offended in that hallway? Instead, it was only Kareem Hunt. Um, so I don't think that happened. And if it did, why was Kareem Hunt the only one who took offense to that? And even so, is that any reason to do what you did? Because, look, racist comments, never a good thing at all. I, I've been on the receiving end of them, not very fun to, to hear, but in the court of law, at the end of the day, vi- violent actions like that are going to bring more negative press than a racist comment. Uh, I don't agree with either one, don't get me wrong, but there's no proof that she said that, and people are saying that was the case. So, again, I don't mean to get too off topic here, but there seems to be a bit of an unfair narrative here. And I think as Chiefs fans, you do have a reason to be upset. Uh, At the same time, I think there are people out there in the media that see an opportunity to write something for clicks. And look, unfortunately, in 2019, it's all about the clicks. And listen, I'm for that. I think we do need quantity. A lot of people always say quality over quantity, meaning, hey, look, let's put better work out there and let's not worry about downloads or clicks or number of views or listeners me man personally i'm i'm in the stance of quality and quantity why not both uh okay if you i i would give quality the edge but you can still attain both or want to attain both but we're not really seeing that right now 
when the when the attorney here's the biggest thing with the attorney's letter i still question a lot of things in that but the text message is a pretty significant one and listen if crystal espinal thought a lot of people are waiting for her to respond i am as well but if that text message was not real i think she would have said something by now and that text message is a game changer to that story which a lot of people in the national media are not mentioning oddly enough it's only tmz that even mentions that in in their headline you're not seeing it on ESPN or, or uh, from any of these other media outlets. Look, I just want to see the end of the whole Tyreek Hill situation because if he is really clear of of child abuse and didn't do anything wrong, well, then it needs to be said. And all the people who are wanting him banned and kicked off, kicked out of the NFL, well, then they need to speak up and defend their their abilities to jump to conclusions and falsely accuse someone of something. Uh, like I said, I, I was guilty of it as well. Many of you too. Um, but for some reason, uh, the media is given a really positive spin to Tyree kill or excuse me, Kareem hunt, but not to Tyree kill. And I think it has to do with the fact that there's something to compare it to, which even then we don't know the details on all of that. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzivasugian. Twitter.com slash Farzine21. And don't forget, we do have the voicemail and the text line. So you guys are always welcome to let me know your thoughts on there. Let me just say this also with the text line. If you're going to text the show, do let me know who who it is. I mean, write a name at the end of your comment. uh, Because I do like to read the the comment uh, as well as who wrote that comment. Uh, So please do that as well if you're going to text. And again, if you're going to leave a voicemail in the voice message, uh, before the beep, it will say to leave your name, where you're calling from. I like to know where people are calling from and give us your thoughts. So be sure you do that. Again, the number 913-808-2119, 913-808-2119. Uh, there are two big name players out there that a lot of Chiefs fans want to acquire via trade. One is Patrick Peterson, who has been on Kansas City's radar uh, or at least Kansas City fans' radar, for quite some time. The other one is Le'Veon Bell. Now, let me just address the Patrick Peterson situation. I've, we talked about this last episode, how he was hit with a six-game suspension due to use of PEDs. And a lot of Chiefs fans are saying, great, now you can get him much cheaper. Here's the problem, though. You know, and let me... Going back to our last topic, even though Tyree Kill is it's not clear of anything, even if he's not guilty of child abuse, he did violate the NFL's uh, code of conduct policy, personal conduct policy, I should say. So there is a suspension on the way for Tyree Kill. Uh, when they hand out that suspension, I don't know. We talked about this before. The NFL can take forever with these kinds of things sometimes. But there is a suspension coming for Tyree Kill. If you acquire Patrick Peterson for a late-round pick, uh because he supposedly is a much cheaper now, well, you're going to have a guy on defense, a great player, but he's going to start off the first six games uh, on the suspended list. So you've got a guy in your offense who is your most dynamic player on your offense and is the best weapon for Patrick Mahomes. He's expected to miss a couple of games, maybe a little bit more. And then you've got Patrick Peterson, who is already set to miss the first six games of the season. If Now, I, I will say this. If Arizona says, give us a fourth-round pick and a seventh-round pick, 
I am not going to decline that offer. Because of the suspension right now, people think he's cheaper. And if that is the case, I, I would gladly make that move if I'm Kansas City. However, because a lot of people are thinking that the value is down, I don't think Arizona is going to go that low on the uh, on, on the trade negotiations. They're still going to demand something pretty big for Patrick Peterson. I mean, if you want Patrick Peterson, you've got to give up something significant. It's not going to be a late draft pick. You've got to give up way more than that because, yeah, sure, he's going to miss a third of the season, but he's still going to be playing two-thirds of the season and potentially more because he can help your team not just make the playoffs, but also make a big run in the postseason. So I don't think Arizona's going to let him go easily if they do let him go. Uh, There's been a lot of mixed opinions out there universally about what's going to happen with Patrick Peterson and his future in Arizona. Uh, I, I think that's a completely different topic for another time, but I don't see that happening to where Arizona would assume that his trade value is low and that they'll just take whatever for him. I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, the other player on the list, uh, Le'Veon Bell, who a lot of Chiefs fans think there could be a chance. Now, I'll say this right now. If Le'Veon Bell does come to Kansas City, it would be a major upgrade. I like Damian Williams. I really do. But this would be a massive upgrade at running back and essentially the perfect replacement for Kareem Hunt to have on your team. Uh, The problem is he's also going to be very expensive. Uh, And look, the drama going on with the Jets right now with Adam Gase taking over and and the firing of their uh, GM last week. And now all this talk about how Adam Gase does not like Le'Veon Bell and Le'Veon Bell coming out on social media saying, hey, look, all these reports, it's not going to make an impact on him. He's still going to go out there and do everything he can to help the Jets. But now there's talks at John Clayton, formerly of ESPN. I think he's now hosting um, a radio show on Sirius XM and as well as locally in Seattle. He had said that if there's a suitor, he absolutely sees Bell getting traded before the season and a lot of people took his comments and put that in headlines he's just speculating on that end right there now John Clayton does have plenty of sources I am sure uh but I don't think there has been any certain report so far that it says Le'Veon Bell is on the move and the Jets don't want him sure there may be some drama right now going on with Adam Gase and his thoughts on Le'Veon Bell but as of right now I don't think there's any need for the Jets to really give into all this pressure with. I know there's a rumor about a defensive lineman who the Jets are supposedly going to trade. I don't really know what's going on in New York. And again, like I said, it's not really pertinent to this podcast right now. But I will say this, man. Uh, Sometimes you see these kinds of things. And if it gets too dramatic to the point where they are just willing to let someone go for a cheaper price because it's too dramatic... uh, I don't know. I know this kind of contradicts what I just said about Patrick Peterson, but Patrick Peterson is dealing with a suspension. He's not dealing with personal issues with his boss. Le'Veon Bell supposedly is not liked by his boss. And there's drama there. And therefore, maybe Adam Gase would be more compelled to say, hey, look, we'll take a bit of a cheaper price just so you can get this guy off our hands. Now, I don't think they should because Le'Veon Bell is hot commodity and he would be a big asset to any NFL offense out there and quite honestly maybe outside of Kareem Hunt and I would say Todd Gurley if he can go back to his old form I don't it may and I'll throw in Ezekiel Elliott as well uh, 
maybe Saquon Barkley too. Um, but you get the idea. Unless you have a top five running back, Le'Veon Bell would be a major upgrade to any NFL offense. So I, I I can understand if teams are going to be out there calling up the Jets. It's probably happening as we speak right now. It's probably happening. It, it probably has happened already by this point. But uh, I don't know if Kansas City at, at this point has a draft capital. Uh, I did forget about the Frank Clark trade in, in terms of the, de- the details. The Chiefs did trade away the second round pick. I think it was the one. Or actually, no, we don't know exactly which second round pick it is yet. It's going to be... The one that's going to be later, that will be sent over to Seattle. They gave up a first just just recent from the most recent draft. And then the second round pick, which they have San Francisco's and their own. And whichever one is going to be later, that is the one they're going to send over to Seattle. And at this point, uh, right now you just have a first and a second. You just gave up your sixth for Darren Lee. And right now, I think Kansas City, uh, I mean, look, both Patrick Peterson and Le'Veon Bell would be massive upgrades. I would not be opposed to it. Uh, In fact, I'd be happy to give up a first-round pick for either of those players. Uh, But you do want to have your draft picks. Uh, You know, a lot of people are criticizing Brett Veach saying he doesn't know how to draft. Well, he hasn't had a first-round pick to draft with yet. Now, I think he's used his first-round picks wisely. Uh, I mean, the the Patrick Mahomes move, I mean, that wasn't necessarily his at the time. John Dorsey's the one who traded that away. Uh, but as far as trading away his first round for Frank Clark, I mean, that's a big move right there. You got Frank Clark next to Chris Jones right now. And that is going to be a, a lot of fun to watch for Chiefs fans. But definitely not, fan for offensive, not fun for offensive linemen and offensive coordinators to have to prepare for. Uh, but I'd like to see... Brett Veach, you as a first-round pick at some point. It just kind of comes with the job. It's part of your resume, essentially, as a general manager in this league. Uh, but again, I mean, would you rather keep your first-round pick or trade it for a much-proven veteran in the NFL? And it's definitely the latter, for sure. All right, I want to take some time and go over the 53-man roster for the Kansas City Chiefs and who I think is going to make the 53-man roster. This was a little bit more difficult than I thought, especially looking at the 4-3 defense and how many players the Chiefs might have. So we're going to go over this here, and I'll say right now, as far as the offense, I have 23 players on offense, 27 on defense, uh, which is obviously, I mean, you've got a bit of an imbalance there. Uh, I'll, I'll... I'll, I'll admit that. And then you got your three special teams guys. I'll just get the special teams guys out of the way. Harrison Bucker, your kicker, your punter, and also your holder, Dustin Colquitt, and your long snapper, James Winchester. I'll go back to kick returners and punt returners later. But for right now, I, I do want to look at the offense. Uh, I want to start there. I think Mahomes, obviously your quarterback. Uh, you have Chet Henney as your backup. I know Chase Lone was on the team last year, but I think Kyle Shermer is going to be a guy who... I don't think he makes a 53-man roster. He's not part of the 23 on offense that I have. But I think he's definitely going to be the practice squad guy. And look at Kansas City's roster, by the way. They currently have three undrafted quarterbacks from this year's uh, offseason on their roster right now. So they could put some of these guys on their practice squad, at least two of them, let Chase Linton go. And God forbid if anything happens to Mahomes, well, you got Chad Haney with some experience and you've got a couple of rookies to 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 pick from. So that's where I'm looking at right now with the quarterback situation 
Got two there. Running backs, Damian Williams, Carlos Hyde, Darwin Thompson, Daryl Williams. In that order, uh, by the way, just so you guys know, uh, those four running backs make the team, as well as Anthony Sherman as your fullback. Now, wide receivers, I've got six receivers on here. Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, McCall Hardman, uh, Demarcus Robinson, and Byron Pringle. If you guys remember him, the K-Stater had a very good preseason for the Chiefs in 2018, but did suffer an injury in the fourth game of the preseason and was placed on IR. And I have Garrick Dieter as your sixth receiver on the team. Tight ends, Travis Kelsey, Deion Yelder. And I really want to put this guy number two, but I'm not quite sure if I can do that yet. But Blake Bell. I think Blake Bell can do some special things for this Chiefs offense and maybe eventually climb his way up in the depth chart. So I'm really hoping Blake Bell can crack a spot on that 53-man roster because I think he can really help out Kansas City's offense in certain formations, especially in goal line formations or uh, if it's... Uh, just one or two yards away for a first down. I think Blake Bell can really make an impact in those situations the most. Offensive linemen, I've got 10 offensive linemen on here. Uh, one for each position and then a backup for each. So I'll just go with the starters right now. Eric Fisher, Cameron Irving, Austin Reeder, uh, LDT, and Mitchell Schwartz. And as far as backups go, I have Justin Sr., Khalil McKenzie behind Cameron Irving going left to right, by the way. The center position is kind of interesting. I want to put Nick Allegretti on there. I don't know if he'll be in that situation week one. I think he'll be considered as a backup guard and a backup center. But for right now, I put James Murray on there. But I think Nick Allegretti would be a viable option as well. I've got Allegretti right now backing up LDT at the right guard spot and Andrew Wiley backing up Mitchell Schwartz. So those are my 23 players on offense. The defense, this one was a little bit tricky for sure, especially because we're learning a lot with the 4-3 defense right now. Uh, I mean, I, I, I anticipate guys will switch around at the at certain spots in training camp. But here's who I have. Left end, Alex Okafor and Emmanuel Agba. Defensive tackles. Boy, this is, this is actually a pretty good group of guys right here. I like this group. Chris Jones. Derek Nani, Xavier Williams, and Kalen Saunders, your interior defensive lineman. And then on the right defensive end spot, I've got Frank Clark, Breland Speaks, and Tino Passigno. Uh, you know, I was wondering what's going to happen to Breland Speaks and Tino Passigno because these guys are recent second-round picks. I still think they may be on the team uh, unless the Chiefs don't want five defensive ends. If they want four, I think Passigno could be the odd man out here, but... Alex Okafor, I mean, they, they picked him up from New Orleans. And Ogba, they traded for him. And really what I feel like the Chiefs got a steal in that trade. And I really like the direction this defensive line is going into. I expect a lot of improvements uh, in total defense, especially in stopping the run. Linebackers, this is the one that I had a really hard time with. I have Reggie Raglan as your middle linebacker and Gary Johnson as his backup. But as far as other positions go, I've got Anthony Hitchens as your will linebacker. And Dorian O'Daniel as your Sam linebacker. Now, you guys may be wondering, what about Darren Lee? I think it's a little too early to put Darren Lee as a starter right now. Like I said, he just joined the team. We talked about it last episode. But I think if you look at our lad's depth chart made by Dan Shanka, you currently have Darren Lee as a WLB right now. And again, here's Damian Wilson from the Cowboys. This is a guy who has had a lot of experience playing this position. You also have Jeremiah Atachu at the Sam linebacker position behind DOD. 
Uh, here's, by the way, one player who I definitely need to mention, Ben Neiman. And I talked about him a little bit last episode. I know he had a really good preseason last year. Pro Football Focus came out with an article talking about his contributions as a special teams player. In fact, Pro Football Focus graded him as the best special teams player in the NFL in all of 2018. And I know a lot of people are going to say special teams isn't a big deal because in terms of the amount of snaps you have on offense and defense and special teams, special teams is relatively low, but there are so many key moments that happen on special teams that a player can really come through. And you need a guy like Ben Neiman to do that. So I think he definitely earns his spot the easiest uh, because he also is a key contributor on special teams. Now, going to the defensive backs, uh, starting with the safeties, they've got Tyron Matthew and Juan Thornhill starting in week one. And behind them, Dan Sorensen, Armani Watts, and I think Jordan Lucas will be able to crack a spot on the 53-man roster. And then for cornerbacks, I've got Bashad Breland, Charvarius Ward, Kendall Fuller, Keith Reeser, and Tremont Smith. If you notice, I don't have Rashad Fenton on here. I think it's going to be a toss-up between Reeser and Fenton. Tremont Smith, not uh, the most reliable cornerback, but because of his contributions on special teams as a return man, he's able to crack a spot on the roster easier. Whereas with Reeser, this is a guy who has some experience with the Chiefs defense and also played in the AAF and did really well there. And then you've got a a guy, a six-round pick, and Rashad Fenton, who he's got a bit of an uphill battle here. Again, I don't think there's a lot of threatening competition to the point where it's too difficult to make it, but I do think there are a lot of bodies here. I think Kendall Fuller, Bashad Breland, Charverius Ward, they've got their spots on the team. I think Tremont Smith, he'll, he'll have his spot on the team because he's also a kick returner, but it comes down to Keith Reeser and Rashad Fenton, and unless they maybe take away a linebacker or a defensive lineman or maybe even an offensive lineman, uh, maybe I have too many on my list, perhaps they, they would have room. For both Keith Reeser and Rashad Fenton. So those are my 27 players on defense. And as far as kick returners and punt returners go. uh, I've got Tremont Smith for kick return duties. Uh, I know he did not have a touchdown. But he did have two big kick returns. One of them almost went for a touchdown against the Patriots. The other one in uh, Seattle on uh, both Sunday night games. Uh, And that was to help the Chiefs basically stay in the game. And give Mahomes good field position to try to keep the game close late in the fourth quarter. So I've got Tremont Smith as your main kick returner. Punt returner, this might surprise some people. I have McCole Hartman over Tyreek Hill. Now, I, we'll see what happens with the Tyreek Hill situation, how many games he'll miss, but I think we got to get to a point where, yes, Tyreek Hill has amazing speed, but as a punt returner, man, he is not doing real well. Uh, he feels a lot of punts that he shouldn't, and he's coughed up a couple. I think only one time it's hurt the Chiefs badly. And then when he does field punts and doesn't fumble, it's it can be a disaster. If you guys remember in the Rams game when they punted the football back to the Chiefs late in the game for one more chance for, for the Chiefs to have, Tyreek Hill not only had to run way back, but once he caught the football, the momentum carried him into the end zone and he had to run it back. And I just thought that was a poor t- decision by Tyreek Hill to to field that punt. I think another good example of a bad punt return where Tyreek Hill was against the Patriots. Uh, he ran backwards a lot on that play. And because of a 
illegal block in the back penalty, that also hurt the punt return even more, basically putting Pat Mahomes back against his own end zone. And the Chiefs were unable to do anything. They punted the football. Patriots had great field position, and they were able to get an easy field goal because of the bad return from from Tyreek. If Tyreek just ran forward and you had the illegal block in the back, well, then uh, you, you tack on the penalty, but you're not backed up against your own end zone like the way the Chiefs offense was. And a big reason for that was because of the punt return for a negative yards. Tyreek Hill's been doing that a lot. I know the very first punt return he had of the of the year, he took it back for a touchdown. But we're not seeing that as much anymore from Tyreek Hill. So I think the Chiefs have got to let him focus more on offense and let McCole Hardman, a younger guy, fresh blood, go out there and handle some of these partner to duty. He's got tremendous speed. It's not Tyreek Hill speed, but it's pretty damn good speed. And you can use that speed as a partner turner to do some damage. And when, when you've got Dave Tobe as your coordinator, I, I, I think a guy like him can definitely make some noise. Now, I still think you should have Tyreek Hill as maybe an emergency backup in case any of these guys go down. I think Darwin Thompson could also contribute. I think Juan Thornhill, I know we don't see a lot of safeties. It's mostly running backs, cornerbacks, and, and, and wide receivers. But Juan Thornhill is a guy who I think should also be considered for return duties. Because this is a guy who has, who has some really good speed in the combine, too, among players at, at, at both the cornerback and safety positions, and even better than some wide receivers out there. So Juan Thornhill, I think, should be considered. I, I don't think he'd be a number one or number two backup, but, hey, I, I mean, if the injury bug rolls around for whatever reason, Juan Thornhill is a guy who you could use as an emergency punt returner or kick returner for for the Chiefs. So that is my 53-man roster, plus some of the guys who I uh, threw out there for return duties. Again, let me know your thoughts on Facebook, on Twitter, or text the show or send us a voicemail. All right, I do want to touch on this before we get to our closing segments. The Kansas City Star put out an article talking about how Kansans should help pay for stadium maintenance at the Truman Sports Complex. And I don't see the logic in any of this. This was written, by the way, not by an individual. It's by the Kansas uh, Kansas City Star editorial board. And in the article, it says Jackson County pays $3.5 million per year for stadium maintenance, while the city of Kansas City provides $2 million annually. So Kansas City residents are taxed three times for the stadiums, first as city residents, then as Jackson County taxpayers, and then again as Missouri residents. Then the uh, article says Kansans, who still have easy access to the Truman Sports Complex, get a free ride. All right, look, I, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. Uh, first of all, in Missouri, let's just start here first. The reality is, Kansas City, Missouri, is the biggest city in the metro area, and I'm talking about cities from the Kansas side, such as KCK. Uh, Lenexa, Olathe, Overland Park, Shawnee. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. You got a lot of cities there, and then on the Missouri side, you've got Independence, Lee Summit, uh, Raytown. I think I said Independence. Uh, I may have said a second time. Uh, you got a lot of cities on the Missouri side as well. The reality is, Kansas City, Missouri, is the biggest city. In the metro area and all these cities that I just mentioned, therefore, all the big venues 
or at least a majority of them, are going to be in the KCMO area, such as the stadiums, uh, the, the, the Sprint Center, Power and Light, uh, the Plaza, all these places that I'm, I'm mentioning here, the, the um, uh, what's that, Union Station, uh, the uh, Kaufman uh, Perform- Center of Performing Arts, all these places here, and again, I, I'm sure we can go on for hours if we wanted to, a lot of the biggest attractions are on the Missouri side, whereas on the Kansas side, look, Kansas are still paying for certain things of their own. They've got the Sporting KC Stadium, uh, the legend or the legend area, the the Kansas Speedway is is in Kansas, so you've got that as well. Keep in mind, I don't believe people in Missouri are paying for the Speedway or for anything else. Now, look, when you look at the Speedway and when you look at Sporting KC, it's obviously not as big as the Royals and the Chiefs. I, I I'm not saying that at all, but what I'm saying is, people in Kansas. They've got their own things to pay for. People in Missouri, they've got their own things to pay for. And the reality is, you are in Missouri and you're... I mean, that's just something you've got to understand. And plus, the thing about Jackson County taxpayers, and I know not every Jackson County resident will take advantage of this, but Jackson County taxpayers do get first dibs on tickets before anyone else out there. So... Keep that in mind, and I know a lot of teams go about it the same way. But I don't agree one bit that Kansans should be involved in paying for stadium maintenance on the other side of the line, the, the state line. The article also mentions that Kansas State Representative Stephanie Clayton, a Republican-turned-Democrat, I, I mean, that I don't care for that, but I guess that's relevant to some people. She's from Overland Park. She said that she would be willing to listen to any requests regarding budget needs of Kansas teams that play in Kansas, but she does not support sending Kansas tax dollars to Missouri unless Kansas taxpayers make that decision. And quite honestly, I don't know why Kansas taxpayers would pay. A lot of people are saying, well, look, a lot of people from Kansas are going to the games. They should contribute. Well, look, if we're going to go that route... A lot of people, I'm sure, from Kansas, they are Missouri fans and they travel to Columbia for sporting events. Just like how people in the Kansas City, Missouri side are KU fans and they travel west 40 miles to Lawrence for Jayhawk sporting events. But they shouldn't have to pay any taxes for universities there. I mean, that's not how it works. Look at universities while we're on the topic of that, how there's a reason why they have in-state tuition and out-of-state tuition. Now, in the case of a, of a place like UMKC, if you're a Kansas resident, I believe it's a little bit more expensive than Missouri residents. But nonetheless, there is still a different uh, tuition for Kansas residents if they want to go to UMKC. The bottom line is this. And let me bring up another example. There are a lot of people in in Southern Illinois who are fans of the Cardinals and the Blues and the Rams back when they were in St. Louis. But they weren't paying tax dollars for those teams. Now, I will say this. I plead ignorance. I, I don't know exactly how this works, but I believe because the Giants and Jets Stadium is in East Rutherford, New Jersey, 
I don't think people from New York are paying tax dollars for that. And if they were, this article should have mentioned that because that would have been actually a, an R, a very valid point here to say, hey, look, J- uh, this is going on with the Jets and Giants. People from New York are paying tax dollars despite the team being the teams, I should say, being in East Rutherford, New Jersey. But that article never mentioned that. And I think that would have been a very strong argument in this editorial piece. But that was not brought up. So I, I would have to imagine that's not even the case in New Jersey with people in New York paying taxes for that stadium that they share. So I don't really see the logic in this. Look, uh, I don't care what your stance is on Stephanie Clayton, whether you are a Republican or Democrat. There is no reason why people in Kansas should pay for something that is in Missouri. There's a reason why Jackson County taxpayers do get first dibs on season tickets and certain other, uh, or not season tickets, but just tickets in general, uh, as well as playoff tickets too. Let's not forget about that. That was a pretty big deal this year for the Chiefs. Uh, I don't think Kansans should have to pay tax or, or send tax dollars uh, in Missouri's way. Again, I get it. The Chiefs and the Royals, they're, I mean, those are the two biggest things we've got here in, in Kansas City. Uh, it unites both sides of the border, I guess. I mean, look, there are a lot of people in Kansas who go to Missouri, whether it's PNL or Westport, the Plaza, to go out and have a good time. There are also people who are from Missouri who probably do venture out on the Kansas side. Because there are things on there at the Kansas side that are not on the Missouri side. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but th- that doesn't mean you should have to pay tax dollars to uh, to be able... I mean, just because you go to these places. I, I, I just don't see the logic in that. Do you disagree? Do you agree? Let me know your thoughts. Again, that topic or anything we've discussed, facebook.com slash Vasugian, twitter.com slash Farzine21. You can leave a voicemail, 913-808-2119. Also, text the show, same number, 913-808-2119. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. You know, we talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the podcast with the Jets and what's going on there. There are reports uh, that the Jets are supposedly targeting Peyton Manning. Now, let me just say this here. Peyton Manning, obviously an incredible player, did a lot for the Colts and the Broncos during his time in the NFL, but I think we really are a prisoner of the moment sometimes, and I mean, no, Peyton Manning's not playing in the moment now, but he is a player that everybody knows from recent memory, and he's a superstar. But just because of his stature and what he's done in the NFL, I don't know if that qualifies him to be able to work for a front office in the NFL. Because if you guys recall, there was a player once named John Elway. He did a lot of great things in the NFL for the Broncos, but when he got hired as a general manager in Denver, it just hasn't been perfect for for him. Yes, he has, he's got a Super Bowl ring, but look at the state of the Broncos right now. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. And I've heard this on uh, SiriusXM's NFL channel. The fear is if they fire him, there's going to be so much backlash in Denver. So look, I don't know if Peyton Manning is truly qualified. I hope it's not because of his skills on the field, but the skills that he could have as a general manager. That's why I hope, I mean, if they fire, if they do decide to hire him, I hope it's because they truly see that he has the ability to work 
as a general manager. Uh, going from one New York team to, to the other, Pro Football Talk mentioned uh, Daniel Jones. And we talked about the Giants quarterback situation quite a lot. And they asked if Daniel Jones could actually get a shot at starting. And again, they mentioned the Kansas City model with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. But the difference there is... Alex Smith was still doing enough to help the Chiefs get by in a lot of their games and get to the playoffs at the end of the day. Uh, whereas with the Giants, you don't necessarily have that right now. Uh, and again, I don't think it's all Eli Manning's fault. I know a couple of his teammates have come to his defense. But at some point, man, uh, if the job is not getting done, the quarterback position is the biggest one on the team. And a quarterback switch there can maybe lead to a better difference. Better outcomes at the end of the day. Look, like I said, Alex Smith, he was winning a lot of games and taking the Chiefs to the playoffs. However, when the Chiefs did make the switch from from Smith to Mahomes, there's a reason why you saw a better offense, one of the best in NFL history, and an appearance in the AFC Championship game. There's a reason for that. So, look, I know a lot of people are saying, hey, Daniel Jones could be the backup quarterback uh, for one year but listen if things are just not going well in New York especially with Eli Manning I think you've got to be open to the fact that maybe a a change should take place at some point before the end of the season maybe even early on if the team feels like Daniel Jones would do a way better job than Eli Manning last thing I want to touch on uh, Chris Long defensive end long time uh, 11 year veteran uh, I believe he announced his retirement from the NFL. And if you guys remember, he was drafted number two overall in 2008, uh, just a couple of years after Mario Williams was taken number one overall, surprisingly, to the Texans in 2006. And it took Williams a little bit of time to get going, but uh, a lot of people did compare Chris Long to Williams because they were both top two draft picks as defensive linemen, and you generally don't see that a lot at with defensive linemen, especially during that time frame in the NFL and Chris Long's numbers don't necessarily match I believe uh, Mario Williams had 97 and a half career sacks whereas Chris Long has 70 so there's a bit of a difference there but Chris Long really did give nine great seasons in St. Louis to the Rams Uh, and I believe uh, with the exception of his last two years with the Rams in 2014-2015 he missed some games but he was available for every single game with the Rams before that, and it's not very easy to do. You look at his time with the Philadelphia or the Patriots first in uh, 2016, won a Super Bowl. The following year with the Eagles, won a Super Bowl. So all the time that he put with the Rams during their ups and downs for, uh, what, again, nine seasons, I think, uh, he definitely deserved that uh, that opportunity to get not just one Super Bowl, but two in back-to-back years. So a uh, very good career for Chris Long. And, you know, does he get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? I know that question will be asked. I think he could get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I think he'll get into Canton, but maybe going to take a little bit of time uh, because there were some players in his era that were a little bit better. Um, I'd say he was maybe top second tier guy, maybe bottom first tier kind of edge rusher in the NFL, uh, uh, even during his prime years. But he had some really good seasons, and I think this is a guy who will definitely eventually get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. Let's go out of bounds. Alright, look, we have lots of opinionated columnists and radio hosts 
in all of media, not just sports, in all of media. Now, I know sports is an entertainment, so, you know, when someone has a strong opinion about someone, they're allowed to have it, but maybe be a little low-key sometimes, because it is just a sport, and it's not anything serious, but uh, Colin Cowherd, uh, he had something to say about Odo Beckham Jr., uh, he talked about because of OBJ being absent for two days from OTAs now, which look, I know voluntary practices, those have its own discussions, but, uh, Cowherd had a family feud style segment where he had the top 10 moments of OBJ's career. Number one, the catch during a blowout loss. Number two, being traded to the Browns. Number three was the uh, boat incident where he and his teammates went on a boat the week of a playoff game and lost in uh, upset fashion. Uh, the fourth one was kicking the net. And it basically trolled him on and on and on with proposing to the net, the, uh, the, the, the fight with a teammate, taking a leak in the end zone. Um, those were the top ten moments in OBJ's career. Now look, OBJ responded and wasn't really happy with it. He said, hey look, you want attention, you're getting it. I think it's unfair of you to do. Uh, I know uh, his teammate Baker Mayfield also spoke up and said, "Hey, and I know Baker Mayfield and, and Cowherd. They have they had they've had their issues in the past, and I know Baker Mayfield confronted him about it. But at the end of the day, man, look, here's my thing. I know I I, I see a lot of things. I have a lot of opinions on here. And sometimes we do get a little snarky with with some comments. I mean, look, we gotta have a little bit of fun. But I've always said whatever I say about." anyone who I criticize on here, whether it's a GM, coach, player, whoever, anything I say, I would not have any problem if I had to say it in person uh, to to a coach or a player, whoever, uh, if they wanted to discuss it. Uh, coaches and players have to understand, look, they may not like it, but they understand that being a pro athlete, there will be times where you get criticized for certain things, for your skills on the field, but you know, people in the media sometimes, I think they do have the need to want to garner attention and maybe have a snarky segment like a family feud version just so they can maybe get under some skin and, and, and get attention. Look, Coward's the same guy who said that Chiefs fans are going to be too damn cold and they're not going to be able to cheer during the game against the Patriots. Uh, look how that turned out. Uh, listen, it's... I mean, there are so many examples from this. It happens a lot in the media, and, you know, you can choose to either respond to it and criticize heavily and hope that the players also respond and maybe confront them in person one day, or just ignore it. Um, there are a lot of people in the media who I, I'm aware of. They say a lot of things about sports or news. I don't follow them on social media. I don't... I mean, sometimes I'll admit I, I may respond and say, wait a minute, this is kind of a weird thing to say. This is not even accurate. Um... But again, in, a, in an opinionated system like Colin Cowherd's segment here for the Family Feud style, uh, look, he's just doing it to to, to, to get a reaction from people. I, I don't agree with that. I've never had an opinion just to get reaction. I do give my opinions on here to get discussions going, but never a strong and harsh reaction from a player. Never, never been that kind of thing. Never attempted that. But a lot of people do. Again, you can choose to respond to it angrily or ignore it. There are a lot of people in the media who I don't like, and I ignore them. End of story. You move on. Deontay Wilder, boxing champion, who came in with a vicious knockout against Bazale, 
He said uh, to the media, being asked about his sport, he said, quote, this is the only sport where you can kill a man and get paid for it at the same time. It's legal, so why not use my right to do so? Okay, look, when he says that, I don't think he's necessarily plotting murder for anybody. I mean, look, there are a lot of people who say, all right, we're people they use the context of players going to war sometimes. And listen, in sports like MMA, boxing, the NFL, it's a pretty violent and physical sport, and a lot of people get hurt uh, from this. Uh, you know, I get it. Uh, you know, I think Deontay was just kind of in the moment getting ready for fight mode. He wants to show that he's not afraid. Uh, fighters do this a lot sometimes. So I don't really take too big of an issue with it. I know the WBC president took issue saying, hey, look, it does kind of take away from the spirit of the sport. I know there's a big form of, of trash talking in combat sports today. I don't take too big of an issue with, with what he said, but a lot of people do. Now, a lot of people took issue with this snarky LFL reporter. I have no idea what her name is. By the way, the LFL is the Legends Football League. It's the uh, Women's Football League. They used to call it the Lingerie Football League, which is how I'm sure you can imagine. They dress in lingerie. They've got the pads, the helmet, but not a full-blown suit uh, of a football uh, uniform like uh, like the NFL or college football, whatever. Uh, there's also another Women's Football League in which they have tons of teams, but they're not as big as the LFL, uh, but they have a full-on football uniform like NFL players and whatnot. Anyway, that's the LFL for those who don't know. They've had some of their games broadcast on Fuse, some online, um, but this uh, sideline reporter, she's interviewing one of the head coaches. Uh, I don't know exactly what happened in this game, but based on the interview, you can basically get an idea what happened. This is the interview. Thanks, guys. I'm with Omaha Heart head coach and offensive coordinator Dante Allen. Coach, did you think it was a good idea to go hurry up offense with a rookie quarterback? We've been practicing hurry up offense. We practiced both. So we, we put it in the playbook. They know how to do it, but they're just not reading the keys right now. We're not getting the blocks. People aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. That's stuff we got to correct before halftime's over. Thank you, Coach. Apparently, Coach Dante Allen and his staff think that it was a good idea to throw their rookie quarterback to the Wolves and Tester. Back to you guys. (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't know why. This is, by the way, from the LFL's social media account. I don't know why they added the cricket there. I guess they just said, hey, let's let's go along with this. This could go viral online. I shared this video on Facebook and Twitter. Um, (laughs) Look, uh, very beautiful blonde reporter uh there's a reason why you're reporting in the lfl i like i like the dig it's it's funny but um the coach is just kind of standing right next to her like okay what do i do and if you heard at the end of the clip she's saying oh thanks for joining me for the interview it's like (laughs) i mean look it sounded like a valid question with what she asked again not knowing what happened exactly but (laughs) her response is great Thank you, Coach. Apparently, Coach Dante Allen and his staff think that it was a good idea to throw their rookie quarterback to the Wolves and Tester. Oh, man. Uh, that's that's insane. That's insane. I like that. Uh, I don't know her name. Uh, I'm sure it's being mentioned in a lot of articles. I just wanted to go grab the audio clip, but it's pretty damn funny. That's That's got to be one of the funnier things I've seen when it comes to just broadcasting in general. Like, you don't see anybody respond like that. When they've got a critical, a valid and critical question for, you know, whether you're interviewing the president of the United States or a coach or whatever. Uh, 
Uh, man, uh, that's that's insane. Uh, props to her. That was funny, but yeah. Uh, props to the coach too for not getting angry because I think a lot of people in that position would not have been happy about that comment. Final segment of the show. Let's throw some penalty flags. Man, I really hate it when people just spread fake news intentionally on social media. I'm sure a lot of you guys heard uh, Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer Ric Flair. He was hospitalized, but apparently there was a, a planned procedure, according to his family. This was mentioned by Dave LaGreca of Sirius XM. Uh, but a Twitter account called WWE Umiverse. Again, not Universe, Umiverse. It's obviously not a, a, an official account of WWE, not verified, nothing. And there's an, a misspelling from there. You see this a lot with people, they make a Twitter account misspelling Adam Schefter's name by one letter and it throws off people, it it tricks people, and people are quick to retweet breaking news of of something. Uh, You know, in this case, there was a talk that Ric Flair had died. And then later that day, Ashley Massaro, also from the WWE, she had actually uh, passed away, and I think the reports are coming out that she had committed suicide, which is horrific. I still remember when she won the uh, women's version of Tough Enough, and I, I was watching at the time. Very sad to hear. Uh, but but my point is, when Rick when the Ric Flair news came out, and when people realized, okay, this might be fake news, the Ashley Massaro news broke, and me personally, I, I questioned this for a moment. I said, wait a minute, is this also fake news? Because this is also another wrestler who is now being talked about with possibly passing away um listen man social media has done a really good job message boards were criticized for this and people hated on message boards we used to have our podcast uh, as far as interaction on message boards uh but people have criticized message boards for spreading fake news sometimes do you know how much worse that has gotten with facebook and twitter way worse and this is one of those incidents man and you know, then you bring up that someone died and you're spreading that fake news, knowingly spreading it. You don't have any information whatsoever. Or maybe your buddy texted you and said, hey, I think he died. Oh, let me just tweet it out. Boom. It gets crazy like that. Look, even the person with just the fewest followers ever could get a fake story rolling. Just like that. People have got to be very cautious with what they tweet and what they retweet and who they're retweeting from. It's very important that people do that. Unfortunately, not enough do. Well, a big fight took place in NASCAR between Clint Boyer and Ryan Newman. I guess they were having their cooldown lap, and at some point, I guess at some point during the cooldown lap, and even before that, uh, Boyer and, and Newman had gotten caught up a couple of times, or, or very close to contact, and maybe even a little bit of contact had had done some damage Clint Boyer bolts after Ryan Newman while he's still in his car and starts punching away at him listen I'm sure it hurt Ryan Newman a little bit being in his car seat and and taking those punches with his helmet on but listen man you're 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 punching a guy who's got his helmet on still I don't know if that's the smartest thing to do I mean if you want to punch a guy let's let's take off the the helmet the gear everything then go at it uh, but to, to, to hit a guy, I remember Kyle Turley, he said this on Hard Knocks when the Chiefs were on it, 
And he said, look, if a guy wants to fight me and, and, and hit my face mask with his hands, go for it, man. Uh, you're only going to hurt yourself more than you hurt me. Yeah, it's going to hurt your head a little bit, but not as bad as your hands. Um, I've never understood players who have tried to fight someone that's got a helmet on, trying to punch him in the head. I've never understood the logic in that. You're only hurting yourself at the end of it. I mean, if you want to go all out, take off their helmet at least, and then show us your moves, but calm down. You're not a fighter. All right, so I saw this over the weekend. I was out and about over the weekend, uh, enjoying life as usual, like like all, all of you do on, on your weekends. Uh, of course, it was raining in, in Kansas City all day Saturday, basically, but there was a dude who was in the on the median, essentially, and jogging. And I noticed he was jogging barefoot. And I'm at a red light, and I see this guy continuing to jog. He's waiting for the lights to change, and eventually, uh, once they do, he actually starts jogging in the middle of the intersection, continuing. At one point, I saw he, he spit, which a lot of people do when they're outdoors and whatnot, but... You know, you're doing that barefoot and in the rain. Look, I've seen people jogging in in bad weather or when it's light rain. I get that. But to do it barefoot, and I don't mean to be that guy. But, man, how do you know you're not stepping on dog piss or someone else's spit? Uh, And, by the way, maybe I have a little bit more sensitive skin, but... I mean, you're, he's jogging on concrete at some point. He goes from the grass to concrete. I, what is this guy doing? I posted the picture on social media. What is this guy doing? Who jogs barefoot outdoors? Who does that? Especially on concrete. I mean, if you're doing it on on grass and you're in a certain area, but no, this guy's going from street to street and doing this. I, I, I don't know. Um... I mean, I've got a treadmill if I want to go outdoors. There's a park nearby, very beautiful park. Uh, but you're putting yourself in harm's way when you're jogging in the middle of the intersection. They, they've got a sidewalk for a reason, sir. Use it. Please use it. That'll do it for this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzan Vasugian. Thank you all for downloading and listening to this episode. Hope you guys had a great weekend and enjoy the rest of your week. Podcast obviously coming out a little bit early, so enjoy the rest of your week until late May. Uh, next Thursday, next Friday, next time we have our podcast out, and that'll be when Zach Stegga is expected to join us as a co-host. And until then, you guys can talk to me on Facebook and Twitter, facebook.com slash Farzine Like it, follow me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, at Farzine21, and tweet me there. And we will take your calls and read your texts if you decide to do so. Call in, leave a voicemail, 913-808-2119. Text the podcast as well, eight one, or excuse me, 913-808-2119. Appreciate you guys downloading and listening to the episode. My name is Farzine Vesugian. I'm off the rest of the week, and early next week, we will be back on either a Thursday or a Friday. That'll be either the 30th or the 31st, before the end of the month. So enjoy your time until then. Talk to you before the end of the month.